Okay, well, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just bind every spirit assigned to this camp, to the people, to your purposes here. I send out warring angels right now to scramble every plan and assignment that the enemy has for this place. I bind the strong man that was sent to uh, disrupt and hinder and block people from receiving what you have for them. I loose the spirit of truth. I bind the spirit of Antichrist right now in the name of Jesus. I bind and break the power of religious spirits. We forbid you to operate here in the name of Jesus Christ. For where the spirit is, there is liberty. And Lord, we want to operate in the liberty that you have brought to us in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, tonight I want to... um, We're just going to do some basic deliverance. Um, Whenever I start with somebody new that doesn't have much deliverance, I I like to start with the generational things, and there are certain curses that are in place, and I want to deal with those tonight to uh, put us all in a position to receive the rest of the weekend, everything that God has for us. So... um, let me see. I would call this foundational deliverance. In Matthew twelve twenty nine, um, in Mark three twenty seven, it talks about the strong man, and we each have a strong man that is like ruler over our life. Uh, I'm not talking about like Jesus. I'm talking about the demonic force, uh, a strong man that is. Uh, sent by the enemy to have rule over you. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind the strong man over every person here. I bind you and I break your power, and I command you to go right now in the name of Jesus. I call on mighty angels to come and do warfare in the heavenlies over every person here over this campground so that we can have an open heaven to receive everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name. It says that no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. So we just bound that strong man right now so that we can spoil his house. Everything demonic in your life that is addressed this weekend, that it can be eradicated and driven out, cast out. Uh, Matthew 18, 18 says, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He called those the keys to the kingdom. Those belong to you. So begin to use them. We, we are learning more and more about what has been given to us in order to live a powerful Christian life. And so it's time to start doing those things. Okay, I want to, if you have your Bibles, I want you to, um, well, wait, not just yet. But I want to mention in Exodus 20, this is where the Ten Commandments are. And I want to read to you verses 3 through 6. It says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now that word hate, we think, would disqualify some of us from falling into this category because we don't hate God. Probably none of us have hated God um, outright in our lives, but this word hate is not what we understand it to mean. It has to do with loyalty. And before we came under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we were all our own God. That's idolatry. So, I want you to just say, Father, forgive me for being in idolatry when I was a God 
unto myself. Now I break idolatry off of you. I command every spirit that came into you through idolatry of being your own God to go now in the name of Jesus. All spirits of idolatry, self-worship, self-righteousness, all those spirits that go along with idolatry, I bind you and break your power and command you to be broken now off God's people in Jesus' name. Okay, so um, it says visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the third and the fourth generation. You know, many people that I talk to uh, don't believe that there is such a thing as a generational curse. And when you come up against something and you have no where to go when you hit that wall, I usually say, Lord, what do you say to that? No, there's no such thing as generational curses. Jesus Christ, everything, when you come to Jesus, is is under the blood, and there's no such thing as a generational curse. And when I asked God that, he said, if there was no such thing as a generational curse, there would be no need for anyone to be saved. Because it happened with Adam, the very first generation. And so generational curses are very real. And that's what that's why I like to break these generational curses because we're all born with them. In John eleven forty four, it is talking about Lazarus. You know, when he was in the grave, he was dead. Now, before we were born again, before Jesus came into us, we were dead spiritually. We had the spirit of man, but not the spirit of God. And so when he called Lazarus out of the grave and said, Lazarus, come forth, in John 11:44 it says, And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. So when we are born again, we come out of that dead place, but we are bound with grave clothes. Things that came down through the generational bloodline, uh, we are bound with our own sins, the things from our own sins. Okay, so we have grave clothes, and we're going to deal with some of those tonight. So, um, okay, let me make sure I'm not... My computer crashed, so I'm, I'm back to making my own notes on paper, so... Um, so, okay... So we're going to deal with these generational curses first off. So I want you to stand, if you can, stand. And I'm going to turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. And uh, Meryl mentioned this a while ago, so I think it's very apropos that we go here. It says in Nehemiah 1 verse 5, and I'm going to pray this. Um, not as Nehemiah prayed it, but as we are praying it. So let's all pray this together. Just um, repeat. I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awe-inspiring God, who keepeth covenant and mercy, with them who love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear my prayer which I pray before thee now and confess the sins that we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments which thou commandest. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the people. But if you turn unto me and keep 
my commandments and do them. Though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, will you gather them from there and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name? O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to my prayer and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant me mercy. Okay, so Father, forgive Forgive me for the sins that I have repeated that were upon my forefathers. I ask you to forgive me now. I forgive my forefathers for the sins that they committed that brought their iniquities upon me. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I break every generationally inherited curse that has come down upon me through my father's bloodline. And I give leave to every familiar spirit that has followed me down the bloodline tracked me and traced me to guide and direct me in ways that are contrary to your will. I break evil soul ties with my father right now and I send his soul and spirit back to him and I call my soul and spirit back to myself cleansed and sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ and I ask you Father to heal my mind and restore my soul right now in the name of Jesus I break every generationally inherited curse that has come down upon me through my mother's bloodline and I give leave to every familiar spirit that has tracked me and traced me, guided and directed me to go in ways that are contrary to your will. I break evil soul ties with my mother. I send her soul and spirit back to her. And it doesn't matter if she's dead. I mean, we're just breaking the soul tie. Uh, I call my soul and spirit back to myself, cleansed and sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now y'all can sit down. Okay, now I want to break the curse of death. Um, in Romans 5.12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man, and it's referring to Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. When, when Adam and Eve sinned, every person born after that was born separated from God and in need of a Savior. Okay, so we were, we were all born sinners. And that that death curse came upon all of us. Um, 5.19, Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. See, you're not a sinner because you sinned. You're sinners because Adam sinned. And you were made a sinner. Okay? So by the obedience of one, Jesus Christ, shall many be made righteous. That's a gift. The gift of righteousness. He is our righteousness. We have no righteousness of our own. That's what many people don't understand. They think if they just be good, they can get to heaven. But good is not the requirement. Righteousness is. And without Jesus Christ, there is no righteousness. 
Okay, so um, so right now, in the name of Jesus, I break the curse of death off of me, and I command every spirit of death, get out of me now. Go. Get out. All spirits of death, go. I break that curse of death, and I command every spirit of death to go. Death is the ruler of all infirmities. You see? So if you break the curse of death, you, you can you can be fighting against the infirmity, but as long as that death is there. See, when we come to Jesus, uh, when we walk down that aisle or whatever we did to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we, we deal with the sin issue, but what about the death issue? It's sin and death. He said, if you eat of that, that day you shall surely die. Do you know what the word die means? A slow, gradual, diminishing of. What does that sound like? Aging. Degeneration. Um, decay. Alzheimer's. All, everything having to do with a slow, gradual, diminishing of is under the curse of death. So we break that today. You see, you don't have to die. It, it, it's like, to, so to break the curse of death off man and break the curse of death off woman. See, as I, I realized this when I was a lot younger. So I didn't listen to things that were told to me. I didn't receive the lie that just because you get a certain age, you're going to start losing your memory. Just because you get a certain age, you know, menopause, We women have menopause, but you don't have to be crazy when you go through menopause. I mean, people used to really lose their minds in the old days. I mean, I guess hormones made it different. Now we give people hormones so they don't go there. But, you know, God designed our bodies. I'm sure it was never meant for our bodies to go through menopause. That's part of the curse. Childbirth pains is part of the curse. Now, I don't know how in the world I realized it, but the truth of God's Word came to me when I was pregnant with my first child, that He became the curse. I was thinking about having that baby, and it wasn't going to be pleasant, and I wasn't looking too forward to it, to tell you the truth. I wanted the baby, but I didn't want to go through what I was going to have to go through to get the baby. But anyway, I realized one day that... um well, I just had a heart-to-heart with God, and I said, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to find Eve, and I'm going to punch her in the nose. It's her fault that I have to have this child pain. And, and God said, oh, really? Well, what would you have done? Ooh, in Eve's place, I'm sure I'd have done just what Eve did. Well, forgive me, Lord, for blaming Eve. Well, what am I supposed to do with this pain? And then I remembered the scripture that Jesus became the curse. He became the curse. And then he took the curse away. So, boy, I hung on to that. And and I thanked him that he became the curse. He suffered all my childbirth pains on the cross so that I wouldn't have to. And guess what? I had three babies with no pain. I mean, it was a labor getting them out, you know, but there was no pain. It, it was just amazing. So I'm telling you, this God's Word and His what he did for us on the cross it's so much more than we have understood. He did way more than just give us a place in heaven. Okay? So that death curse is the ruler of all infirmities. So how many of you in here have an infirmity that you would like to get rid of? Okay, well, today's your day. It says that when Jesus came, it, he he was in a place, and the scribes and the Pharisees were there, and it said that as he taught, the power to heal them was present. Same tonight. The power is present to heal, because he is the healer. Psalm 91, verse 3, it speaks of noisome pestilence. Do you know what those two words mean? I'm a word girl. I mean, God started it. He said, look that up. So I started looking up everything. 
but noise and pestilence means any ill-smelling, infectious, contagious disease or virus. That covers a lot of stuff. Noise and pestilence. So when I pray for somebody, I pray, I, I, uh, I bind any, I seek death to any ill-smelling, infectious, contagious disease or virus that has come into their body. I speak death to it in the name of Jesus. Psalm 103, well, uh, Psalm 91 verse 10 says, Neither shall any plague come near thy dwelling. And this is what we dwell in. See, it's powerful. The word is powerful. And if you believe that and receive it, you know, I got healed of allergies just by receiving. I read the scriptures about um, the leper that went to Jesus and said, if you, if you would, you could heal me. And Jesus said, I will be thou cleansed. And immediately he was cleansed. And I had this, these allergies twice a year, every year, three months at a time. So that means six months out of the year, I was sick with allergies. And I was sick of being sick. And I read that scripture about the leper, and so I said to, to Jesus what the leper said. Although I didn't have a voice, I just squeaked it out because <laughs> I was sick. I lost my voice and had bronchitis that always ended up in a terrible cough. And so I said, Lord, you know, you could heal me if you wanted to. And he said, I've already done it. I'm waiting for you to receive it. Well, that was a shock. <laughs> but it's the truth of his word. He has already done it. Jesus has done all he's going to do. He finished it on the cross. Now it's up to you to appropriate what he did to your life. Instead of asking God to heal you because he's already done it, he's waiting for you to receive the finished work that he did on the cross and apply it to your body. Whatever your sickness is, apply it to your infirmity. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Do you know he has benefits? The Lord has benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. That's a benefit. Who healeth all thy diseases. He heals all your diseases. And then also in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, I'm going to read those because it was, I was running out of time to write all this down. Isaiah 53, very familiar scriptures, but you know, sometimes we get so familiar with them, we don't even really hear them. 53, 4 says, surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Now, how many of us are bearing grief and carrying sorrows that are here tonight? Why, why would you want to carry that? He did it already. He did it for you. Give it to him. He's able to carry those things. He doesn't want us grieved and sorrowful. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. You know, I'm sure when Jesus was walking the earth, and especially at the time that he was being crucified, um, he didn't look too much like the Savior of the world. They were beating him and spitting on him and pulling his hair out and awful. That's why it says we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. You know, sometimes when when bad things come, people always think you're doing something wrong. But you know, a lot happened to Jesus for doing everything right. A lot of things happened to Peter and Paul and Philip and Stephen and all of those who were living righteous lives, being thrown in prison all the time, beaten, boiled, all these things happening. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for whatever keeps us from peace, he took. It was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Do you believe that? You know, there's a, God showed me, um, I was reading the scripture one day that judgment must begin at the house of God. But do you know how he showed, it, there was a little bit of a different slant on it 
because what it said to me as I looked up those words, judgment must begin at the house of God. The judgment we see as this kind of judgment, and, and it is. It is that kind of judgment that will come on us. But we judge God by our behavior. Judgment must begin at the house of God. The world is looking at us. Who are we judging our God to be? Is he a mighty God or is he not able? Is he not able to meet our needs and meet our um, the things that we that he provided for us? In James it says that um, faith without works is dead. When something comes up in your life that calls for faith and and you fall apart and run to the Xanax and whatever, that's a judgment. That's, that's showing the world that your God is not enough. That's a judgment. Serious. Okay. Lost my blood. Okay, so we've broken that curse to death. So right now I speak to every infirmity in this room. Death has been abolished, it says in the scripture. In Second Timothy 1.10 it says, But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death. See that curse of death, but he has abolished death. If he's abolished death, then he's abolished everything that's under death. And sickness is under death. And has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. The word of God is powerful. So I speak to every infirmity in this room right now in the name of Jesus Christ, by his shed blood and by his stripes. I find that infirmity. I break its power, the spirit of infirmity. I break your power and I command you to get out of God's people right now. Get out. Infirmity, go. Whatever your infirmity is, name it and tell it to go. We just read... And we believe, and now we're going to act on what we believe and command that infirmity to get out of your body in the name of Jesus. He said, it is finished. Amen? Okay, I want to break the Antichrist spirit off of your life. Now, sometimes when I say that to people, they're like, you know, like I'm calling them the Antichrist. But no, we we um, some antichrist spirits are generational. I'll give you an example. Uh, my brother and sister-in-law could not have children, and they adopted a little boy, beautiful, curly-headed, blue-eyed, red-haired boy, and he was raised in the church and was, as so many of our little children are, very precious and quick to believe and love Jesus. But when he got to be about 13, he decided he wasn't so sure about all this Jesus stuff. And that was shocking to me because in our family, we believe in Jesus. And so um, what I did not know but found out a couple of years after this happened was that his birth father his birth, his birth grandfather was an Orthodox Jew. So see, you would never know that, that, that there was an Antichrist spirit. And I'm not saying that to be critical of Jews. I'm not an anti-Jew. But the fact of the matter is, is that they do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And the scripture plainly says that if you do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, it is an antichrist spirit. That is antichrist. And so what that antichrist spirit will do is it will hold you back from the things of God. It will hold you back from receiving from God. Um, it, it has to go. We don't want there to be any antichrist spirit standing between us and God. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I bind all generational antichrist spirits that came down through the family line. I bind it, I break its power, and I command it to get out in Jesus' name. Antichrist spirit, go in the name of Jesus. 
Okay, so um, it can also come through, like, um, depending on what church you grew up in. There are some churches that have Antichrist spirits in them. If they do not worship Jesus Christ, that's an Antichrist spirit. Maybe your ancestors belong to a lodge or an organization, or maybe you yourself have been members of things and you've taken an oath. And most of these oaths, people just stand up there and repeat it, and they don't even really realize sometimes what they're oathing themselves to. But there are antichrist spirits in the in many um, lodges and organizations. So. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I renounce every oath, every covenant, dedication that was made on my behalf when I was in the loins of my forefathers. In Jesus' name. And I command the Antichrist spirit to get out of me. In Jesus' name. Amen. That is also true in the occult. Uh, people who have been involved in the occult, um, and they may have become a Christian, but that Antichrist spirit could still be underlying. And so, uh, if you, well, Father, in the name of Jesus, I renounce every uh, association with anything of the occult. You know, every culture has its, its witchcraft and its occultism. They have, you know, the tea leaves and, uh, you know, if the Italians could tell you what their things are. The French could tell you what their things are. You know, every culture has their things. And even, even us, ignorantly sometimes, um, somebody will say, oh, oh, uh, you're pregnant, let me see what, what you're going to have. Lay down and they do this pendulum thing over your stomach. That's witchcraft. Many of the, um, what do you call them, superstitions. Oh, I've, I've never had that. <laughs> My mother did that one day. I said, did you just knock on wood? That is witchcraft. But see, we don't, we don't see it as witchcraft. But many of those old wives' tales are witchcraft. You know, turning around, you see a black cat cross your path. Not walking under a ladder. You know, all these things are, are, are rooted in witchcraft. And so we could have been involved in witchcraft and not even know it. And like I said a while ago, rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. And we've all been rebellious. So, so we, we need to pay attention to that. So, well, Father, forgive me for being rebellious and practicing witchcraft. Now I command every spirit of witchcraft to get out of me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Now, you know that um, Satan is a copycat. And he likes to um, put a spin on things. And now I want to break the curse of the firstborn. How many in here are firstborns in their families? Okay, see, because God says in Exodus 13, 2, he says, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, of man and of beast, it is mine. So which one do you think Satan really wants? He wants the one that God wants. And so he, he is hard-pressed for that firstborn. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I break the curse off of the firstborn people here. In Jesus' name, I bind you and break your power, and I command you to go. I break that curse of the firstborn, and Satan, I tell you that you cannot have them. I want you to say... Uh, Satan, you will not have me. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, Father, right now, I call down fire from heaven. You know, Elijah called down fire from heaven. And, you know, 
the disciples said to Jesus one time because of something somebody did, Lord, you want us to call down fire from heaven? He said, you don't even know what spirit you're speaking of. But listen, I call down the fire of God to destroy the altar that Satan has erected, not just for the firstborn, but for every one of us in this room. And I like to do that when I pray for people because because Satan, and, and depending on, you know, there could have been ancestors that dedicated you to Satan, that laid you on his altar. So right now, I just call down fire from heaven to destroy every altar that Satan has erected for your life in Jesus' name. I destroy it in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I lay them on your altar, myself included. We lay ourselves on your altar. And I also, I want you to say this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I give leave to the unholy angel that was appointed to me at birth. See, because we, we are appointed angels. Um, it says in the scripture that the angels of the children are forever in God's sight. So we have angels, but Satan wants to appoint angels too. Just like the little cartoon with the angel and the devil. That's what, that's, that's what he does. He appoints, he appoints an angel, an unholy angel. Okay, so, um, now I'm going to turn to Genesis chapter 3. Oh, oh, well, we did. I give leave to the unholy angel. Didn't I say that? Uh, okay, I give leave. Well, let's just do it again. Father, in the name of Jesus, I give leave to the unholy angel that was appointed to me at birth. In Jesus' name. And then I destroyed the altar. Okay. So now I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 3. And if you, if, if you want to hear more about this spirit of death or the, any of these other things, you can go to uh, lhbconline.com. I've done a teaching on the spirit of death. I've done a teaching on uh, the, um, the Genesis. I'm fixing to talk about those, Genesis curses. Just about everything I'm mentioning here, I've done a teaching on it, and you can hear, hear it more uh, thoroughly. But I'm just kind of hitting, I'm, I'm whacking the mole right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see it doing deliverance almost like whack-a-mole. You start praying about this demon and one pops up over here. So you're just kind of whacking, whack, whacking a mole. <laughs> okay, so um, Genesis chapter 3. I digress. Okay. In verse 4, well, I'll just start at 1. This is where uh, the serpent comes to Adam and Eve. It says, now the serpent was more subtle and that word subtle means cunning in a bad sense. Webster, it means trick or stratagem intended to ensnare or deceive. Skillful or ingenious in gaining an end. That's what the word subtle means. Um, was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. Okay, so <clears throat> this is a lying spirit. And it will come to you often Amen. to contradict to you what God has said Amen. in order for you to follow what he wants you to do. Amen. Okay, so so right now in the name of Jesus, I, I bind and break the power of that lying spirit that came, in, came to every one of us through Adam and Eve. I break your power off God's people. I deafen their ears to your voice in the name of Jesus. You lying spirit, go. Now, not only will this spirit tell you lies, it's also the same spirit that will cause you to lie. So I just find that lying spirit and command it to go in Jesus' name. Okay, why did he do that? Because he wants to have Adam and Eve doing his will instead of God's will. In verse 5, he says, 
For God doth know that in a day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God, knowing good and evil. So here he is trying to make Eve believe that God is wanting to keep something good from her. And the spirit of offense rose up, and she got offended. That's why she went ahead and took it, because God was trying to keep something from her. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of offense. Do you know that spirit is one of the biggest spirits that does more damage in the church than any other spirit I can think of? The spirit of offense. I mean, people get offended at the drop of a hat. And it's, it's, it's just a spirit of offense. You know what the spirit of offense does? It gets offended. <laughs> That's pretty simple. Okay, so I bind that spirit of offense right now in the name of Jesus. I break its power and I command that spirit of offense to get out of you in Jesus' name. And I lose the love of God upon you to, to love as God loves in Jesus' name and to be forgiving. We're going to get there in a minute. Okay, so... In verse 6 it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took up the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Okay, so here we have the lust of the eye. You see it, and then you desire it, and then you eat it. That's the process every time. I don't care what your sin is, it starts with looking at it, desiring it, and then partaking of it. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I find that lust of the eye. I break the power. You say it. I break the power of the lust of the eye off of my life. I break its power, and I command it to go. Lust of the eye. Go in the name of Jesus. I bind the lust of the flesh. I break its power and I command the lust of the flesh to get out of me now in Jesus' name. And the pride of life. I bind that spirit of the pride of life that I can do whatever I want to do. That's the pride of life. I bind that pride of life. I break its power off of me and I command it to go in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, in verse 7 it says, And the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. See, before that they were innocent. No longer innocent. And you know what? That's a that's a very tangible feeling. You know when you've lost your innocence. And so what they do? They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. And do you know today we're still sewing fig leaves and trying to cover our sin? Trying to cover your nakedness. Guilt came in and shame came in. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirits of guilt and shame that came into me through Adam and Eve's sin. And I command them to go in Jesus' name. Do you know, some people just feel guilty and shameful all the time, and they haven't even done anything to be guilty or shameful of. I used to have that. It runs strong in the bastard curse. So if you need to know more about that, you can go to lhbconline.com, scroll down to my name, and look for the bastard covers. <laughs> okay. It, in verse 8, it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking. Isn't that interesting? His voice was walking. They heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. Isn't that usually what we do? I, I find it so interesting. I my grandchildren, I had children first. I was a kid. I used to hide. <laughs> Didn't you hide when something happened? You know, you break something and the clatter is heard all over the house and here comes mama, you know, and you go hide. That that came into us 
through Adam and Eve. When we did something wrong, we had. Okay? Why? Because of fear. Fear came in. So fear entered all of us through Adam and Eve. It's an unhealthy fear. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of fear. I break your power off of me, and I command you to go in the name of Jesus Christ. Because fear has torment. Second um, Timothy one seven says, "For God has not given us the spirit, the spirit of fear, not a, but the. It is an entity. Fear is an evil entity. You can never get rid of it. You can't pray it away. You have to cast that thing out. You should, when you feel fear, you should address that thing like a rattlesnake came in and crawled up on you." I mean, get violent. Get Tell that thing to go. Because God doesn't want us to have fear. It says, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So, Father, right now, I just break that spirit of fear off of every one of us here. I command it to go. I break the power of it. And, and I loose upon us power, love, and a sound mind. A sound mind. And I lose the fear of God. That's a healthy fear. That causes us to obey Him and to love Him. First John 4, 18 says, Fear hath torment. How many of you are tormented? You know what? It, there's a, a little prayer that I began to say uh, when I go to bed at night. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind every spirit that would come to torment me in my sleep. I call the mighty angels, even in my dreams, cannot even come in my dreams. Um, and I call the mighty angels to come and stand around me shoulder to shoulder that no evil penetrate. I guarantee that will change your sleep life. Because there's no fear in love. You know what? Just about every single thing I'm finding in Christianity um, has to do with love. You know, it says in, in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, it doesn't matter whether you have, you can, uh, you have all knowledge and, and all faith and, and you give everything you have to be burned and sacrificed and it doesn't matter, uh, you can speak the tongues of men and angels, but if you have not love, you are nothing. Wow. That one hit me one time and it's, it's true. You know, people say, well, I don't know how in the world they can call themselves a Christian and do this. I said, it's a love issue. If you have a love issue, ask God to give you more of his love. He, he wants to give it to you. He wants to fill you so up with his love that there is no offense and that there is no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Hebrews 2.15 says, And deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That's the biggie. Fear of death. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I, I bind that fear of death, and I break its power, and I command it to get out of you in Jesus' name. Because guess what? If you have Jesus Christ, you will never die. You're going to change places, but you're not going to feel it. You will not feel the sting of death. You know, just like when um, uh, Stephen was being stoned to death, it said he looked up and and he went and his body went to sleep, it said. But I believe your spirit leaves your body. At the point of death, your spirit leaves. It doesn't even feel death. That's why the Bible says, um, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Or is it the other way around? It doesn't matter. We know what it means. <laughs> but it's true. We will not feel death. We're just going to change places. Isn't that awesome? Okay, and so um, verse 9 says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. 
He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree? See, that's the only way he could have known. Only way. God knew what happened. Have you eaten of the tree where I commanded thee thou shouldst not eat? And the man said, said, the woman you gave to me, she, she made me eat it. See, and right there is where this thing between the woman and the man came in. It's born in us. We don't have to develop it. Nobody has to teach us it. It's right there. That man said, the, the woman you gave, he blamed her for his failure. He blamed her. Okay, so that kind of made all of us women kind of mad at you guys. How dare you blame us for what you did? Or could it have been said this way, the woman you gave me, is he going to blame God? You know, sometimes when we mess up, we want to blame God for what happens. Do you have anger toward God about anything? You know, it's okay to admit it because he knows it. And guess what? He can handle it. But you, you're, you're directing your anger to the wrong place. God loves you and he wants the very best for you. So if you're mad at God, get over it. Direct your anger at who it belongs to. It's probably you. But don't just be angry at yourself. Repent and get rid of it. Sounds simple, doesn't it? It is simple. Okay, so blame came in, and and I have this exercise that I do with married people when they come and they're having trouble. I break off the Adam anger and the Eve anger, and I have her forgive him for blaming Eve, and I have Eve forgive him for him blaming her. So that needs to be done. That's why even on the playground at kindergarten, little boys and little girls are at war. I can do it better than you. We're trying so hard to outdo the guy. What's up with that? It's competition. Okay, so, so guys, I want you to say, Father, forgive me for blaming the woman for everything. And women, need to say, I forgive you, and stop being mad at the men. <laughs> Have some little, some unity come in there. Okay, so I want to deal with rejection just because we've all suffered it. At some time or another, um, we may have been rejected in the womb. We may have been rejected after we were born. We may have been rejected by our siblings or a teacher, or a girlfriend, or a boyfriend, there is rejection in all of us. But sometimes we we really feel like God has rejected us, which couldn't be further than the truth. And if you do feel that way, then it's possible that you have a bastard curse, uh, which means you don't feel like a son, you always feel like an outsider, and rejection is at the root of that. So... Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I just bind that deep-rooted spirit of rejection. Regardless of where it came in, it could even be generationally inherited rejection. It can be passed down and reinforced generation after generation. So I bind that spirit of rejection, that spirit that says nobody loves you, not even God. Uh, it causes you to hate yourself, spirits of self-hatred and wishing you had never been born and wishing you uh, could die or even possibly have a suicidal thoughts or depression or oppression. I bind that spirit of rejection right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Self-rejection in the name of Jesus. I bind you and command you to go in the name of Jesus Christ. Say, Father, I forgive everybody who has rejected me. And I ask you to forgive me for rejecting myself and believe in the lie in Jesus' name. Now, every spirit that came in through rejection, go. Get out. All the spirits of rejection, inferiority, unloving spirits, you go in the name of Jesus. 
uh, in, in, uh, insecurity, insecurity, fear, fear of not being loved, fear of being rejected. Go in the name of Jesus. All rejection spirits, you've got to go in the name of Jesus. The word says that you are accepted in the beloved. Father, right now, just break the bastard curse in the name of Jesus Christ, and I loose upon them the spirit of adoption, whereby they can cry, Abba, Father. In the name of Jesus, I tear down every wall of self-protection that they have thrown up to protect themselves from being hurt. That's even gotten in the way of their relationship with you. I break it right now in the name of Jesus and command you to go. Father, right now, I just, I, I, I pray right now, Father, that you would open heaven and pour out a fresh anointing of your love on every person here. If they have never experienced your love for them, Father, I just ask you to do it now. Touch them in a way that nobody else can. Feel those places in their soul that they long for your presence. Um, the presence, maybe that they were not loved properly by their mothers or loved properly by their daddies. Lord, I just ask you to come and fill those places right now. Come and fill those places that haven't been properly filled by mom or dad or whoever. I just ask for a fresh anointing of your love upon each one. In Jesus' name. And now... Um, Meryl mentioned earlier for you to be thinking about anybody that you have unforgiveness toward. That is one of the biggest blocks to receiving any kind of help from God. Because he said, it says in um, the, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. And you know what? We're earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in us as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do you hear that? When we pray that, forgive us our debts as we forgive others. If we're not forgiving those that have trespassed against us, then we're asking God not to forgive us for our trespasses. And he even says, "For let me just look at it. It's in Matthew chapter 6, because he says something after that. Jesus says this. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your, fa- your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's pretty serious. And that's written in red. Jesus said it. That is serious. You better pay attention. So, I will, Father, I'm asking you right now to bring to their minds anybody that they are harboring unforgiveness toward. That could be the root of every problem they're having right now. I just ask you to bring those people, even the whole time that they're here, Lord, just bubble those things up, that, that they don't go home with one ounce of unforgiveness, so that they can be opened up to receive all the blessings that you have for them, that you want to bless them with. And then you need to break the soul ties with that person. Okay, and the last thing that I want to do tonight, before we go to bed, is I want to address the broken heart and the wounded spirit. Um, you know, we our hearts get broken over different things. Um, I, I remember when I was a little girl uh, having a broken heart over a kitten. Um, I was in first grade. I was sharing this with my little granddaughter the other day. Um, I, oh, I wanted a kitten so bad, and my daddy hated cats. I understand why now. <laughs> I don't like cats either. They get up on the car, they spray your windshield, and they're just nasty. But anyway, he would not have a cat. Would not have a cat. And oh, I wanted a kitten so bad, and I just begged him and begged him and begged him. And we had moved from our old neighborhood to a new neighborhood, and our old neighbor, uh, his cat had a litter of kittens. And so I finally begged my dad, 
and he gave in and let me get this kitten. And the man's name was Charlie, so I named the kitty Charlie. And uh, we had this long hall in our house, and um, my mother's bathroom was in the back of the house, and my bedroom was in the front of the house. So she would call me to fix my hair before I would go to school. And so this little kitten would love to jump out, you know, when you walked by. Well, I was running down the hall prancing down the hall, you know, little girls are, and that cat jumped out, and I stepped right on its back. I mean, I felt the bones under my foot. It was just traumatic, and of course, it broke the kitten's back, and it was, you know, back and forth. I mean, it was just so traumatic, and I was screaming, and then my brother called me a murderer forever. But my heart was broken, and then we would have pets that would just disappear. Uh, nobody, you know, didn't get to tell the pet goodbye. You know, our hearts get broken, and we get wounded over things. And those things, it's amazing how those things can stay there. And so uh, that's just a minor thing, but there are other things that break our hearts. Relationships break our hearts, and disappointments break our hearts and many things break our hearts and our spirits get wounded when we're little and somebody hurts us and and so these things are possibly all there and so I just I just speak right now Jesus says in Luke open it up read it Luke chapter 4 verse 18 Jesus says this the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. There are people in here that are bruised, not only brokenhearted and have wounded spirits, but have bruises on their hearts that have never been healed. And God wants to do that for you tonight so that you can be free of those hurts. Okay, so when I pray for somebody, I say the Spirit of the Lord is not only upon me, but in me and in you. That's even greater than just being upon us. It's in us. And, of course, that he's, Jesus is quoting this from Isaiah. So back then they had the Spirit of God upon them, but we have the Spirit of God in us. Okay, and uh, and he has sent us to heal the brokenhearted, not to bind up the brokenhearted. You know, that's like having a broken vase. We don't want the broken vase. We want the the whole the vase that's intact with no cracks and glue and the ugly scar. No, heal the brokenhearted. So just close your eyes right now, because this this has to take place miraculously. Everything God does is. But Father, right now, I'm just asking that you, I speak healing because you told us that we could heal the brokenhearted. I speak healing right now to every broken place in the hearts of us in this room. Every broken place. I speak healing to the broken heart. And I speak healing to the wounded spirits even from childhood disappointments and broken hearts and wounded. Anybody who wounded your spirit, I just speak healing to your wounded spirit right now. And also to the bruises, even those tender places that when they get touched, it causes us pain. I speak healing to those bruises in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've given us permission to uh, preach the gospel of the kingdom, to um, cleanse the lepers, to heal the sick, to raise the dead and to cast out demons. We thank you for that. Because when these things are done, it, it frees us up to receive more of you as those places are emptied out. Right now, I just call, I ask for you to send your Holy Spirit right now to fill up, fill up every place 
that's been vacated tonight. Fill us up more of yourself, Lord, that we can live this life more successfully, that we can be a greater witness to your kingdom, that we can work in your kingdom. Lord, we don't have to be perfect to do your work. I ask you to encourage those that are here that they don't have to be perfect before they do your work because we were made righteous by you and we thank you for that. Father, right now I just find every spirit of backlash and retaliation that the enemy would want to come and with us. I find the tormentors, the lying spirits that will come and say, nothing happened tonight. Are you crazy? Yeah, that's what the, the lying demon will tell you. So when you hear those things, you just need to say, shut up and get out. Shut up and go in the name of Jesus. Don't even, don't even entertain what they say. When you start trying to defend yourself, you know you're in trouble. Because you argue with the devil, he's going to win. He's a master at it. Subtle, remember? You just have to tell him to shut up and go in the name of Jesus Christ. And I bind every familiar spirit, all the spirits that came in here with us. No parties tonight. We shut them down now. I bind them. I speak spiritual deafness, dumbness, blindness, incapacitation, and paralysis to every spirit that would torment and keep people awake and not allow them to sleep. I, right now, Father, I just bind every spirit that would come to torment them in their sleep. Every spirit. And I call the angels of God to come and stand around them shoulder to shoulder that no evil penetrate. And I loose a deep and restful sleep upon each one in the name of Jesus. Be blessed. Amen.